Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Sean, your host. The website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. Well, today we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Luke, and we are ready for chapter 13 this morning, which deals with a couple of parables. Um, the, one of them being the burden of the fig tree, one of them being uh, the parable of the leaven, the parable of the mustard seed. But an interesting question is asked by one of the disciples. And the question is, is it true that there are very few that actually be saved? That's a question that uh, Ezra in the apocryphal book of Second Ezra asks God as well. And the answer, in short, is yes. There are few that be saved. And he goes on to explain all of that. And then it ends with Jesus lamenting over the city of Jerusalem because he knows that there's judgment coming to that city. Grave, grave judgment for the rejection of him. And so that is what is on the table this morning. I'm going to be reading from the King James Bible. And uh, let's just begin, starting with... Verse 1, chapter 13, the Gospel according to Luke. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that the Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Were those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. Let's stop right there. Jesus is already warning Jerusalem, either you repent or grave judgment is coming for your sins. And he's using these two examples, these things that have happened to the Galileans and uh, something else that happened when a tower fell in Siloam and slew a bunch of people. And he's saying, do you think that these terrible things happened to these people because they were sinners? The answer is no. That's not why it happened, but I'm telling you that you had better repent. Or you will likewise perish. That could be a word for the whole world today. Let's continue on. Verse 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on the fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered, and he said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. All right, let's talk about the parable of the fig tree. Maybe I should read it, read it again real quick here. 
And before I read it again real quick, let me just tell you a little short story. I just, I have this pear tree that I planted, I want to say four or five years ago, in hopes that it would provide fruit for me. And it's just never produced anything. And so for the last couple of years, in the spring, I've, uh, two years ago, I, I pruned it, you know, because the scriptures talk about that and it, um, and it uses that as an example that sometimes God will prune us, you know, allow some things in our lives, allow some trouble in our lives so that we will start to produce fruit. So I pruned it and it didn't produce fruit. And so this year I cut it way back. I mean, just really pruned it way back, a severe pruning. And it's grown out and it's real big and beautiful out there, but it still hasn't borne fruit. And I had heard, you know, hey, you sh- you need to plant other pear tree near it. And so I've got one across the yard, not too far, that I planted two years ago, thinking maybe that would help, and it still hasn't borne any fruit. And so it's a pear tree, but it's really quite useless, right? It doesn't really do anything or provide anything. Jesus here. Let's read this again, this parable. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon and found none. Okay, so a guy has a... Fruit, he has a fig tree planted. And by the way, the this parable of the fruit tree and, and this concept is used multiple times throughout the Gospels. Jesus really loves this analogy. And he comes to his tree and he, there's nothing there. There's nothing on it. Verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? So the vineyard owner, he tells his servant, you know, just cut that tree down. It's, it's pointless. It's worthless. Why even, why even trouble the soil with its roots? Just get rid of it. And the servant, verse 8, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So it's like this picture of he's going to give it one more chance, right? It's important. You know, I know you guys get tired of hearing me say the same thing over and over. But actions matter. Actions demonstrate what you truly believe. The fruit in these analogies is your actions, what you actually do. In fact, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew that you'll know people by their fruits, right? Like, not what they say they are or what they say they believe, but what they actually do, right? That's how you know them. Let's read that real quick. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 19. Three quick verses, and then we'll continue on with our study. Here's what it says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And here's the last line. 
Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cut down, and cast into the fire. Actions matter. The fruit of your faith matters. In fact, you cannot bear evil fruit if you are in fact a good tree. Neither can you bear good fruit if you are in fact an evil tree. And any tree that doesn't produce good fruit is to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Let's continue on with our study in the book of Luke. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which, he had, which had the spirit of infirmity eighteen years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite! Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he said these things, all the adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So Jesus is calling out these hypocrites. They do the things that have to be done, even though it's the Sabbath day, and yet here they are condemning him for doing it, this good thing, from healing this woman. And what's interesting is Jesus attributes her problem that she has to Satan. That's very, very interesting. Let me read that again. And ought this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound... These 18 years be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. Very, very interesting. Verse 18. Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. All right, so Jesus is talking about how the, he uses two parables to talk about how the kingdom of God is going to grow, similar to like a mustard seed that's really, really tiny at first, but then eventually it grows into this huge tree big enough to where birds can perch in it, right? And then one of the disciples asked me, you know, are there few that be saved? And Jesus says that there's going to be many who strive to enter in, but they will not be able to. 
Let's continue. Verse 25. And when one of the masters of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, and ye begin to stand without to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. So Jesus is giving a warning to the people of Jerusalem. Number one, first off, there are, it truly is our few who actually enter in at the straight gate, even though there's many trying to. There's going to be those who are surprised that they're not allowed in when the door is shut. And they're going to say, hey, haven't we been in your presence eating and drinking? Like, what's going on here? Why don't you? He says, I, he's going to say, I don't know you. You're a worker of iniquity. You're a worker of lawlessness. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but we all know the scripture, and I talk, I've talk. i talked about it often over the years, where Jesus says there'll be many who say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these amazing things in your name, like cast out demons and healed and prophesied? Like, haven't we done all these things in your name? Which, by the way, non-Christians don't do these things in the name of Jesus. So he's speaking to people who think they're in the faith. And he says, and I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I do not know you. I did not have an intimate relationship with you. He says, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, are going to enter into the kingdom, but those who actually do the will of my father. So now maybe you know why I constantly push actions matter, actions matter, actions matter, actions matter. I'm not pushing work salvation. What I'm pushing is fruit salvation. Fruit salvation. Like you're saved and the proof is in the fruit that you are saved. I'm not saying you do works to get saved. I'm saying you do works because you're saved. It troubles me that the church teaches such a nonchalant approach to salvation and to our Lord. People have like completely abandoned the idea of fearing God. The Bible teaches a narrow road, but the church teaches a wide road. And Jesus says that wide road, the one that most churches around the world, or at least here in the United States, preach from, leads to destruction and many are going on it. And there are few that find that narrow path. This should cause us to fall on our face to plead with God for mercy. 
Paul says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why isn't that preached from the pulpit? I'm so sick of this. How serious does the scriptures tell us to take this? And even right now as I say these words, I feel that tremble in my own heart, that desperation in my own heart to get on my face and and beg God to forgive me of my sins and the wicked and evil thoughts that enter into my mind and to help me to work and do the will of Him, to do the will of God, not for the purpose of earning salvation, but because of the grace and the mercy that He's shown me. Some will be offended by what I've just said. Let's continue on and finish. We have three verses. Or six verses. The same day there came a certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto him, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils. I do curses today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent to thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And there's a prayer in Hebrew that says that, which is Baruch Hababa Shem Yehovah. And I often pray and, and add that prayer in when I'm praising God and I say Baruch Hababa Shem Yehovah Yeshua HaMashiach because blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Jesus our Messiah. That is the study this morning. I pray you've been blessed by it. But more importantly, I pray that it's caused you to, that it's pierced your hearts and it's caused you to seek Him fervently. Please consider supporting this mission of truth by going to scriptureandprophecy.com. All the options are there under the support tab. I appreciate all of you. Please pray for me and my family because we are at war, a spiritual war, and the spiritual war is heating up and getting difficult. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.